Steph spoke on the word. I've been given the wonders section. <laughs> and then afterwards, there's going to be on the works. And with the wonders, when I got saved, um, about two weeks after being saved, a wonderful Baptist friend put a book in my hand and said, I think you should read this. And it was Catherine Kuhlman, I Believe in Miracles. And it's, it's all short stories. So I started reading it. And I was reading the Gospels at the same time. And I'd been to Sunday school from small. And suddenly everything made sense. And I thought, oh, that's what we do. <laughs> and, and really, it was the most normal thing that reading the Gospels and seeing Jesus do these things and then seeing Catherine Kuhlman doing it, it was something happened in me of, well, that's it. That's what we do. It, to me, it was the most natural thing that when you're born again, Jesus comes to live in you to do the stuff. And so my expectancy was that he would do what he said he would do. And so I think I've lived like that, um, expecting him to do the stuff. And um, you know, I love Gideon in Judges. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Who feels like a mighty warrior here? But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our fathers told us about? Don't you sometimes feel that? Where are all these wonders um, that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And you know, the amazing thing is God has sent us. Jesus commissioned us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we think, but how do I do How do I do these signs and wonders? And I think one of my pet peeves is one allowed to have a pet peeve as a Christian. I have a few. <laughs> is that it's like the church is always waiting for something, waiting for more of something, more more power, more. We sit in our rooms and we pray for the more. He sent us. He's given us the more already. And actually, as we step out with f f f fear and trembling, then something happens. The more doesn't come in your bedroom or in your quiet time. The more comes when you take him at his word and actually very fearfully thinking, I've got nothing. And yes, we've got nothing. But that, that small mustard seed of faith, and one steps out, and God loves it. And he says, oh, let's have some fun. And then he comes. But somehow I think we, we wait, and we wait for something. Um, now, the Bible does say those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. But that's quite different. So when I step out, I wait for him to come and do something. So I am waiting, 
and yet I'm doing. So to me, waiting is a doing word. It's not waiting in my room for the, the warm fuzzies to come and then I will go and do something. I'm expecting him. I'm scared out of my wits, but I go and do it because he said he would come. So I expect him to come. But Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord said, I will be with you. And Jesus said, I will be with you right to the end. Right to the end. And I think for me, it is, we've got to take this seriously. It's all about this and what, what God has said. If we take it seriously, stuff will begin to happen. It's taking him at his word and getting involved. Stepping out of the comfort zone, stepping out of the fear zone, breaking boundaries, and just doing it simply because he said, even if you don't know if it's going to work. In 1 Samuel 16, when uh, David was um, anointed as king, um, in, in Matthew Henry's commentary, he says, David's anointing was not an empty ceremony. A divine power went with, with that, that instituted so, sign. He found himself advanced in wisdom and courage with all the qualifications of a prince, though not advanced in his outward circumstances. So nothing changed outwardly, but inwardly something had happened from that anointing of wisdom and courage and boldness, and he was qualified as a, as a prince. We, we are qualified as children of God when the, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit on us, my word. We are full of courage and power and so on because he said. I'm reading scripture because faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word. I can tell you lots of stories, and if there's time, I'll tell you a few. But uh, I just think it's, it's what the Bible says. This is who we are. We've got to begin to know who we are. We've got to be serious about who we are and who lives in us. We know in our own heads. If you're like me, it's like, but who do you think you are? And you're just a wally, and so on and so on. Um, but I can't listen to my head. I've got to listen to what the Bible says. And step out and do it. Otherwise, I'll wait forever. And you know what? The world is waiting. They are waiting. I've said to people who've told me that they are atheists. Um, uh, can I speak to you about Jesus? No, we are atheists. Okay, then I say, now, as an atheist, what is your expectation of the church? Well, they told me we feed the poor, we look after, we heal the sick, we raise the dead, we... And you think these are the atheists who somehow know what the church should be doing. They don't believe, but it's as if they know what we should be doing. But somehow we, we don't think that that's what they're thinking. So we don't step out and do the stuff because we think it's not going to be accepted. Meantime, the world knows actually what the church should be doing. So we take it and we move in it and give them a bit of a surprise because the world... I mean, Jesus is king. He's king. We are salt and light. We are the hope of the world. And we are packed. You know, Jesus is so wonderful. He saves us. But then he gives us a bigger deal. We become 
adopted into our father's family. And then he gives us this toolkit of all the gifts. He fills us with Holy Spirit power. And he says, now, off you go. Go and do the stuff. And he comes and he enjoys every moment of it with us. Because he loves us and he loves the world. Mark 16, we all know, go into all the world and preach the good news um, to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Do you know, we should all, there's, there's no ministry of deliverance. People come to me and say, oh, I believe you've got the ministry of deliverance. No. There is no such thing as a ministry of deliverance. I just believe Jesus. His name drives our demons. And that is our inheritance. Every single person sitting here, it's your inheritance, as is every believer in your church. To, a, you know, a higher or lower degree, whatever. But it's for all of us. There's no ministry it's a confidence in the name of Jesus. I know that I know that I know that if somebody comes to me and needs deliverance or prayer to break through, um, if they are willing, I am 99.5% sure that they will be free because of the name of Jesus. The 0.5 is just a bit of humility, you know? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but you see... It's, it's, it's not about a gifting or, a, or ministry. It's his name. It's the name of Jesus on our lips. Is so powerful that if we knew that where we walk, when you know who you are, the demons say, we better get out of his or her way. They know. And they part the way. And that's us. That's who we are. We didn't earn it. We have, you know, there's no... There's no rights in myself. But as a child of God, I have all the rights of the kingdom of heaven to do wonders. And the world needs wonders. I'm tired of seeing shops in various towns and villages. You know, the dark angel shop and the, the, um, the beads, the glass things that you rub and all those things and Ouija boards and so on. And I think we've got the real stuff. But the world is not seeing it. They're so hungry for supernatural. Because I, I remember from a kid, I was interested in the supernatural. We just are. There's something that attracts us. And if we as the church aren't being supernatural, people are going to go somewhere else to fill that, that hole in them. We've got the stuff at our fingertips. He lives in us to willing to do of his good pleasure. They will drive our demons. They will speak in new tongues. Speak in tongues, people. If you can't, or you haven't spoken in tongues, ask for prayer even here today or tomorrow or whatever. Speak in tongues. Do you know, it is so powerful to speak in tongues. It edifies us. It builds us up. And it's also calling, it's the Holy Spirit, calling on God. Um, so very powerful. I've trained myself to speak yeah, in my mouth. Uh, wherever I'm going, it's, it's, it's rambling round and round. But that's from working in the townships in scary situations. And so I had to speak. I had to, oh, Lord, oh, this is very scary. And so I've learned and trained myself to speak in tongues. 
And, and just as an aside, the first time I prayed for deliverance for somebody was quite a big job. And I called somebody in to come and who knew what they were doing. I had no idea. And, um, and this guy just said, well, do this and do that. And, and say, let me do the ministry. But, um, uh, yeah, I followed. Anyway, and he said, just speak in tongues. And as I spoke in tongues, these demons shouted, no, not that. We don't understand. No, not that quiet. And I thought, you know, church, let's speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. It is powerful, very, very powerful. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Well, we all know we don't go about doing that. But it's just about the safety of God wherever he's put us. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Now, I can't tell you that everybody who I placed my hands on get well, but I don't take the responsibility per, uh, personally. I give away. I'm obedient, and I think obedience would be one of the keys. I'm obedient to what the Bible says. And so I will go and put my hands on anybody who wants prayer and see what God will do, and I have a look. And sometimes I'm very joyously surprised and happy and other times he's doing other things. When we were doing a bit of door-to-door -door in Cape Town, not in the townships, another area, and I had been up the side of Table Mountain um, in the week, and I very arrogantly, I think, said to God, so, this gift of healing thing, you know, why aren't you doing anything? We go to people in wheelchairs, nothing happens. It's really about time that we see people. I have an interesting relationship with God. <laughs> we chat. You see, we chat. I'm very honest with him. I moan and groan and shout and so on. I think he just loves it. We have this personal thing going. Um, and I say to God, where's the someone in a wheelchair? You know, give me a go. Anyway, we went door to door, not in this man opened the door. I had two or three other people with me. And, um, and he invited us in. And he said, I've got two sons living with me. And the one son came to say hello. And the other son, this man said, well, he's still readying himself. And there was floorboards. And I heard the wheelchair come on the floorboards. And I thought, oh, no, <laughs> big shot, big shot when one is, you know, moaning about it. Another thing, when the wheelchair comes. Well, we laid hands on the man and, and really prayed, and um, nothing happened. But, you know, the man said to us with tears, he was about 28, I think. He said he'd been a detective, and a gangster had hit him in the spine with a knife, and he hadn't, you know, walked for five years or whatever and he said but living in a house with males his father and his brother were very good to him but he said they hadn't hugged him they hadn't touched him they hadn't you know brought that love in their hands to him and he said you'll never know what your team has just done they've made me feel human they've brought joy to me they've made me feel whole he said one day I expect to walk, but today you've brought the bigger thing, 
And I learned the most massive lesson of not always looking for the end result. Because we are microwave Christians. We like to, you know, we want the end result. Whereas there's a walking through. There's a, there's a layer upon layer that God is doing. And because we don't see the end result, we think, oh, I don't have the gift of healing. Um, and so give away Lay your hands on people. Give away because it never comes back empty. He will always do something because he loves people. You know, Acts 1, Jesus said, wait. And that's where we wait. Acts 2 was the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's done. It's done. The fullness of him has come. He lives in us. He's given us everything for life and godliness already. And now we work out what Christ has put in. And it's step by step. It's not suddenly bang and here I go. It's a practicing. The, your faith muscle gets practiced as you step out and you take him at his word. It's all about trusting what he says in you. Is it true? You see, is it true? Because then we, we take him at his word, which is, by the way, is very scary. Especially when you're standing in a township and there are hundreds of people waiting to be fed or waiting to be healed. Because I stood in the township and said, Jesus heals. And without a challenge, people brought their sick in, in rows. Because people are desperate. And I looked and so thought, I don't know what to do. I can't do this. And I said, well, Lord, you said... You said you must come. And, and so I laid hands on people. And, you know, I was more surprised than the people <laughs> when it worked because they believed. When, what I told them, they believed. And so God worked with their faith, not my, wow, look at this. And I think that's how I learned to just trust what he says and just step out and give away. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, let's give. We are so rich. You know the billionaires list that is floating around with 10 billionaires in the world? Unless they are born again, I'm richer than them. And so are you. That's how we have to think. We are so rich. You see, we think of finances as rich. But it's not about finances. Our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's so rich. So we belong to his family. Therefore, we can be generous. And it's, it's a mindset thing. It's, it's a change of mindset about who we are in God and how rich we actually are in him of everything to give away to others. When they, act four, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's all we need. You be with Jesus, and wonders will come fl floating out of us, really, because that is what we do. Our CV should read, I'm born again, and you can be all very spiritual, washed in the blood of Jesus and all those things, and I do. I heal the sick, I raise the dead, um, I see people saved, demons flee. That is actually what our CV should well, not should read, does read if we would believe. Are you, are you up for this? 
I just feel we, and when I say owe it to the world, I'm not talking legalistically owing, owing it to the world. We owe it to the world to actually give away to be the salt and light and to be Jesus wherever we go. And wherever he went, something happened. They liked him or they hated him. We don't like to be hated. I've been hated. I've been spat on and beaten by security police and so on, simply for preaching the gospel. Um, and so we like to be liked, so we keep quiet. But somebody's missing out somewhere on the power of Jesus to, to actually make a change. And really, we've been in this nation, Greg and I, almost 10 years. It has flown by. Now, what, is be, what has been said is the third world is where everything's happening. Isn't that so? High salvation and so on. And it is true. I have personally led hundreds of people to the Lord. I, I pump for salvation. I want to see everybody saved and so on. But you know, we are here. Why would God bring us here if there isn't something happening here? And we are quite happy to be here, by the way. It's not, it's not that we love our country, but it's not, oh, we need to go back. It's like I'm on tiptoe, like a meerkat. Because something is happening in this nation, people. Something is happening. Something has turned. People are being saved more easily. I made a call from the pulpit two weeks ago, and I said, God's given me word, there's two people. And I prayed for other things, and I, for about a half an hour, I made the call, there's two people. And the two people came. And it was brilliant. I just wanted to click my heels in the air. Because people are coming, but it took me half an hour to actually call... Um, and you see, we don't get embarrassed by this to do a call over and over. God had given me a word. I wanted my two people. <laughs> and they needed to come. But it takes a while. It's the spiritual battle in their minds. And so we give up quite easily, easily instead of actually calling people and saying, Come. Come, give people opportunity. God is so patient. He gives opportunity all the time, over and over, for people to be saved. And if you, in any room, you ask, have you seen a, a healing? Most people will put their hand up. Ten years ago, you might not have found it. Something is turning. And like the sons of Issachar who knew the times, we should know the times now. Especially after elections, things have wobbled a bit. I just think, oh, it's the time for the church. It's our time. But to give people the full package deal. It's to, it's to get people saved, but also to come with signs and wonders. Because, I, you know, I've got verse after verse here of Paul. Um, Romans 15, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and miracles, the power of the Spirit. Hebrews 2, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles. Paul said about himself, I did not come with wise and persuasive words, but with f f fear and trembling, and it's okay to be scared. 
when I was in townships, I was terrified for years. It was scary. But God confirmed it. Whatever I said was signs and wonders. And he's wanting to use us to actually break strongholds, ways of thinking. But it needs to be broken in our own minds, especially if we've got, uh, nobody wants this. Or what if it doesn't work? Well, may I say we can't do a thing? I think what I had to learn is I would stand in the townships and so think, I've got no answers. And I've got to rely on him. And it's quite a thing. Suddenly you find out whether you believe this or not. Because it's like, oh, what if he doesn't come? Nobody said he would. He said he would. And so my whole relationship with God is, and I've heard Mike Betts say, if he didn't want us to know it, he wouldn't have put it in this book. He said it, <laughs> so he must do it. I hold him to this book. I open it and I say, Lord, you said, now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he loves it. He loves it. We don't have to be all wussy with him. He can handle a fight. <laughs> Some pointers. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't take for granted, well, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I was filled a few weeks ago. Be filled and go on being filled. Be aware of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know, I know that I carry him around. So I carry him. We were in Hull a few weeks ago. And I said, okay, we're in Hull, Lord. What are you going to do here? Or we in this place. Lord, I'm going to watch to see what you will do. Do you see the difference? What are you going to do, Lord? What? I prepare. But what are you going to do? Because I don't know. He's God. Remain dependent on the Lord. Never get, never get so skilled. Somebody came to me for prayer, and they said to me, oh, they're a jack of all trades, master of none. And I said to them, you know what? You're in the healthiest place. But as soon as we become the master of something, we've lost it. We must be jack of all trades. Do anything that the Bible says we are gifted to do, but don't become the master of it. Jesus is the master. Always, always never get so skilled that one thinks, I don't need. I can just walk out and do stuff. I don't need God. Be obedient. Be obedient. To me, that's the biggest thing. When God speaks to me, um, I, I know I've got to be obedient. Sometimes it takes a while, but then I give in because I, I want my relationship to be right with him. Be aware that you can't do a thing. It's all about Jesus. Pray in tongues as much and as often as you are able. Don't wait for more faith. Get out and do it and faith will come and, come and meet you. Faith is a muscle that needs to be exercised. You can't wait for it to come. Use the mustard seed faith that you have. Uh, go in the strength that you have. As God said to Gideon. And with Gideon, the Holy Spirit then fell on him, and he could do the stuff. And it's about the Holy Spirit falling on us and doing stuff. Don't wait for flashing lights from heaven. Do what the Bible says. Be expectant that God will come. He always comes. I don't even ask him anymore, please, will you come, Lord? 
He just comes. And I thank him before the time. Lord, I'm going to speak now. Thanks for coming. Because he, al- because he always comes. He is so faithful. Don't take yourself too seriously. Oh, we get so serious. As Christians, you know, when I took people into the township, I trained up lots of teams. And when I take them in township, their hearts melt. It's, I mean, it's, it's quite tragic, the stuff that we saw and so on. And I would have to say to them, don't you go in there with a miserable face. Life is miserable enough for people who are suffering. Then we come and add to the misery with our miserable face. Go in with joy, with a smile. Bring hope. Lift the atmosphere. We are atmosphere changers and lifters. The aroma of Christ is all over us. And where we go in, he wafts all over people. That's who we are. Be a wafter of Jesus. (laughs) Something always happens where we go, even though it may not be what you expect. When you lay hands on people or just pray from a distance, something always happens. And so I rest in the fact that, well, I've done done my part, Lord, now it's your your part, uh, and leave it up to God. Although I say to the Lord sometimes, I would like to see a few more things, you know. You know, it's all very well by faith to then leave it. But show me a few things, and then he does. And then he just, he just, he's so kind. Listen for words of knowledge. I I opened up quite a few townships for various churches in Cape Town. And with the one church, with the one, I was in my car with a small group, Drove into a brand new township, brand new to me, and I said to God, okay, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? And they said, where do you want me to go? And it's the man of peace, you see. I asked for the man of peace. And uh, as I drove in, the voice said to me, now drive, turn right, stop stop at that house, and he showed me which house. I stopped, and there was a woman sitting on the step outside. And I went in, introduced myself, uh, told her why I'm there. She invited us in. I led her to the Lord. And then she, she told me that she was on her way to go and lie on the railway line and commit suicide because life had got so tough. You, you see, it's words of knowledge. We ask for words of knowledge. You know, every time we go back to Cape Town, we were there in December, there is my wonderful friend who got saved then, 15 years later, teaching Sunday school. Uh, life hasn't been easy, but I'm so proud of her. And it was a word of knowledge to stop at that house. I prepared her. So she was the first one in that whole town to be saved. And then from there, um, pe- you know, people saw the change in her and said, What has happened? And she told them, when you see the red car in front of my house, come, you will meet Jesus. That's that's high honor. And then I would go to other houses, be invited to other houses. Give glory to God for healings or for, for salvation and so on. Immediately, praise God for it. Don't let the joy overwhelm you. For, look look what happened, you know. Immediately give it back to him. Be aware of pride. It creeps in. It sneaks in. It's, well, 
oh, you want people in wheelchairs to be healed? Just come to me, kind of thing. It, and it, it, it can be a stumbling block. That's why we've got to give it to God immediately and know that we can do nothing. It's all about him. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. You know, we get so besotted, really, with signs and wonders and even with salvations and all that. But the first thing is, we are saved. You know what, people? We are saved. Doesn't that blow your mind? And then have fun. Have fun. Steph, now you can come. <laughs> and we will. And Father, we just thank you for signs and wonders and miracles. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that we are saved. We thank you you live in us to do, willing to do of your good pleasure. We thank you we don't even have to wait. The disciples waited in Jerusalem and it was done. And we run in the good of it now. Lord, we want to be those willing to step out in new ways, to step out in signs and wonders, which is our inheritance and our right, really. And it's not we being arrogant or silly about it. This is who we are. You said you'll come and live in us and we'll do these things naturally. And so, Lord, that is what we come and ask you. Steph?